0: Hey everybody! This is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. Appreciate Pastor Matt and him preaching. The uh, microphone messed up last week, so they said I got to preach like this today. Just kidding. Nope. Nope. This will make sense a little bit we're starting a brand new series today called Live Loud. We're gonna hand these out after service. Parents, you're welcome. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I, seriously, I, I wanna say a big thank you to Pastor Matt and Cassie and the folks that took vacation time to go take our group of teenagers down to Arlington to just do some incredible ministry. They had an amazing time. Jackson Rowling only passed out twice. It's fine, it's no big deal. Um, and on top of that, Matt and Cassie load up and they go to youth camp this week and um, I'm, we're so honored to have the team that we have. And, and I've kind of been out on vacation, and it's always such a joy. Like, last Sunday as I was watching Matt preach, it's always with emotion, because Matt and Cassie are like kids to us. And I hope you realize how blessed we are that they've invested their life. I want to raise their kids and, and be a part of this, because Matt, you go pastor your own church any day. I mean, God's got his hand on you. And so it's always fun for me to for him to speak into our vision and for him to preach and just does an incredible job. And so we are so blessed. And I, I just I love those moments. I love those opportunities to watch younger leaders lead. That's the vision of our church. That's what we're doing is reaching back, investing in the next generation. Amen, everybody. And so um, give you a little bit of like the, uh, uh, advice when do you go on vacation. Um, don't have a car wreck. Yeah, that's that that was the thing for the Kellogg's. We were, um, I have some family live down in South Central Texas, literally really close to the geographical center of Texas. And so we were in a fun little town. If you wanna go take a fun vacation, especially in the fall, go to Fredericksburg, Texas. And we were driving and that area is just known for amazing, incredible barbecue, it's fantastic. And we were wrestling with, do we drive 35 miles to this restaurant Or do we just have some good Mexican food? And so we're driving and my wife says, let's just do it. And so I get in this turn lane and I stop at this red light. And the car across from me stopped at that red light. In Oklahoma, I want you to know we're blessed. We have green arrows. Texas needs to invent those. It really would help me out a lot right now. And so I'm sitting here at this green light and the light just turns green and I go. Problem is, I was supposed to yield on green and so I take off, that car takes off, Neither one of us, I don't, I mean, I'm looking at where I'm going, and she hits me, and I'm surprised. What's she doing? And then I look up at the stoplight, and I'm like, oh, no. It's my my fault. I called Jake from State Farm. We're good. It's fine. And um, we were not able to go on to the beach in Galveston, and uh, we kind of had to wrap things up and come back. And um, finding a rental car to go one way, that's a thing. Yeah, that was a whole day adventure. We had drive that hour and a half to San Antonio, and find a rental car that would let us come home. And so anyway, it's still good. It's still good to be away. But I'm just gonna give you some advice. If you're going on a vacation, do your best not to have a wreck nine hours from home. My little Buick, I inherited that from my granddad. It's fine, I'm fine. You're fine, it's okay. Now it's still down in, I don't know, Dripping Springs, Texas, somewhere, someplace. Some guy's working on it. I hope this works out okay. State Farm said I'm fine. So anyway, but it's good. It's, I'm glad, I'm glad to be back here with you today. Starting a brand new series today as we kind of kind of wrap up summer stuff and i know school school is within just a, a you know a stone's throw the parents are celebrating and all the kids are like oh. and this is a tough summer for Jerry and i because Landon man so proud of him up here leading worship with his mom this morning he's headed off to stillwater in a couple of weeks i know he's going to be in God's country i'm going to be grieving you know and uh, just excited though about the next chapter and uh, what's going on? But we're, we're starting a walk through the book of Colossians in this series called Live Loud. And I think today you'll understand why that's the name of this series. And I, just, I had a couple of different, different thoughts on that. So I, one of Landon's favorite movies when he was a kid. Okay, one of Landon's favorite movies still today is a movie from 2006 called Cars. 15 years ago, we met Lightning McQueen, Sally, Doc, Mater and I know some of the older folks, maybe you didn't have smaller kids it's still a fun movie. It's still fun to watch. So it's a story of this big, fancy, rookie, immature race car, And like this thing happens where he kind of slips out of his truck that's hauling him, and, and he just finds himself in the middle of nowhere Radiator Springs. If you've ever been to New Mexico and on the interstate that's out there, there's a little town called Tucum New Mexico. And Radiator Springs, it, it, it's kind of a snapshot of what Tucumcari, New Mexico is like. And so used to be a bustling town on the mother road of get your kicks on Route 66. And then this big highway comes through and it it bypasses Radiator Springs, it bypasses the small town. And so the big bustling town gradually just begins to decline and it's been bypassed. And, and the story of cars is a story of a of a lot of small towns across Americana, small towns like that all over America where the highways bypassed them and it had a damaging effect upon the life and, and the economy of that town. From this day forward, when you read the book of Colossians, I want you to think of Radiator Springs. I do, I, I want you to think of Cars and Lightning McQueen and Tow Mater, You know, and, and, and because what happened in the town of Colossae is very similar to what happened to Radiator Springs. Colossians is what we label in, in our theology study as a prison epistle. No, I'm not, ca- I'm not cussing at you. Epistle means letter, and it was written by the apostle Paul. Most think while he was under house arrest, he wasn't really in full-blown prison, but he was in house arrest in Rome. I'll talk more about that. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 says this, this letter or this epistle is from Paul, who is chosen by the will of God to be the apostle of Jesus Christ. And then he says, from our brother Timothy. So he co-writes this letter with Timothy. We're writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give us grace and peace. This is kind of a very common greeting from Paul. It's like, we get on the phone and hey, how you doing? How's mom and them? You know, and he he would just say that, tell who's writing. And he says, man, may God just give you grace and peace. Boy, if there was ever a time we needed that blessing on our life, it's today. Amen, everybody. So just a couple of notes of interest. This epistle or this letter from Paul, and he makes that statement from our brother Timothy. We don't really know exactly the role that Timothy played in this letter. Maybe he was just the scribe. Maybe he was just the guy that was taking notes. Paul had been beaten so many times that, that it was physically hard for him to write. In other letters, he would say, you can see with my big handwriting, this is actually me, but just because his motor skills had been damaged in, in just the beatings when he had been arrested and persecuted for trying to take the name of Jesus. And so we don't know what role Timothy played. Maybe he was just the scribe. Paul kind of spoke the words and Timothy would write them. But I think it's a pretty safe assumption that there were some conversations. Hey Timothy, I think I'm going to write the, the Colossians. And what do, you, what do you think we need? To, what do you think we need to talk about? And so Paul indicates that he co-wrote this letter with his brother Timothy, writing to God's holy people in Colossae. So what in the world does Radiator Springs and the Disney movie Cars and Lightning McQueen have to do with an ancient city that's now in Turkey? So let me give you some history context and. This is my wife's favorite part of my sermons where I talk history. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So 500 years before Jesus. Let's go 500 BC. Colossae was a bustling, booming town. It was known for its wool. They just produced a, a majestic kind of wool. I'm not, not sure a lot of people use this term now, you know. but when something is big or huge, you know, oh, dude. That's colossal, like you ever heard somebody say that? That's what colossae means, it's that, that's that root, it's that, it's huge, it's big, it's, it's amazing. Oh, dude, it's colossal, right? At one time, 500 years before Jesus, they think over 30,000 people lived in this town. In that day, that's a big city. In that day, that, that's, a, that's a big thing. So let's fast forward a couple hundred years now to where we're 300 years before Jesus, and something significant happens. Rome built a trade route and they bypassed Colossae. They actually picked the town of Laodicea to take this highway, if you will, through, and they bypass this bustling city of, of Colossae. And so eventually Colossae wasn't colossal anymore. It had a huge impact on its economy. People just began to move to the towns that would be along that trade route to cities like Heropolis and Laodicea. We're not sure exactly when Paul wrote this. Most people believe because of the nature, because of the people he talks about, and and because of the, I mean, it just sounds like people are coming and going. It reads like Paul was under house arrest in Rome, meaning he wasn't fully imprisoned, but but he was in a house. And he had a guard with him 24-7, but he had some freedoms. He couldn't leave but his friends could bring him food. His friends could bring him news of of things that are are going on. And so many times Paul would spend his day just sitting in this house in Rome with a circle of people and he would be talking about Jesus and he'd be discipling and and he would be teaching leadership and Paul would, I mean it was just small group for Paul 24-7 because in this letter as we study through it over the next five or so weeks, you're gonna see a lot of different names. Our best guess, we don't know, Our best guess is he wrote it about 61 AD. In and around that same time, town of Colossae was hit by a massive earthquake and it destroyed a lot of its structures. So 300 years prior to it gets bypassed, okay? And so now its population goes from 30,000 down to really just a small town and then devastation comes, a massive earthquake and it just brings a lot of destruction. Eventually, the rise of Islam, because they had built a big church there and it really was a, a Christian community, Christian become dominant, but through some of the Turkish wars and because of the rise of, of Islam, Colossae would eventually be completely abandoned. This is what Colossae actually looks like today. As it. There was actually an amphitheater at one point that was in Colossae that they, they anticipated would seat about 5,000 people. Very little excavation has been done. It's the unexcavated community. It just literally became forgotten. Even Paul himself, he never went to Colossae. He knows what's going on because of one of his friends, Epaphras, who we'll refer to as old pappy from now on. (laughs) But Paul had never been to Colossae. So he's writing this letter to Christians. He's never personally met. He's only heard about them. He's never been to the church that's there. He's never been to the homes but yet he's inspired and prompted by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to the Colossian people, which we now have included in our New Testament. Verse seven, he said, you learned a lot about the good news from Epaphras. That's his friend. That's his connection. That's how Paul knew what was going on in Colossae. He's our beloved coworker. He's Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. So here's the the catch. The church at Colossae, was a relatively new church, and they're new Christians, and new believers sometimes are just an easy target for bad theology. Sometimes people that are just new in their faith, they don't know what what to believe. Maybe they're, maybe they're not rooted, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Maybe they're just not grounded in God's Word, and so somebody who can come along and tell some funny jokes and make it sound spiritual and, and you know, just put on a great presentation and can and maybe sway you to follow some bad ideology or bad theology, if you will. And that's exactly what happened in Colossae. There were teachers that would come through and tell them that you don't have to worship Jesus so much. Instead, spend your time worshiping angels. And there was just some bad teaching that they were exposed to. And so Paul, in his prompting, writes this letter to kind of say, hey, let me give you some truth. Let me give you some theological truth that you can be grounded and that you can be, rooted in. So Paul writes this letter to guide them, and it's interesting. A letter that was written 1,900 years ago, how the Word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it bridges into today, into many of the things that you and I are experiencing in our lives, and our circumstances, and in our culture. I want to spend some time first. so In Colossians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he said, for we have Heard, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. We've heard, Paul didn't know them personally, never seen them with his own eyes, never been there, never been to the church at Colossae, but their reputation, We have heard in a tough, dwindling, hopeless, potentially even devastated city, the Christians in Colossae were living loud. Their reputation, Paul's bragging on them, he's patting them on the back. And we've heard about the good things that God's doing. We've heard about your love, we've heard about your faith. I I just wonder, when people hear about us, what do they hear? When people hear about our lives, what's the story? Are we a people of faith? Are we a people of hope? Are we a people of love? Are we people that is bringing hope to a hopeless community? This is a constant theme of Paul's writings. He would constantly come back to faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Three remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And Paul encourages a church that he's never met. He says, you're doing great. You're living so loud that hundreds of miles away in Rome, I have heard about what God is doing in your life. We all have megaphones. I'm not sending anyone home with your kids, by the way. there be lawsuits filed over that. <laughs> we all have megaphones, it's our life, it's our story, it's how we live, it's our Facebook. No, I won't go there, okay. I wanna live loud. I wanna live loud in a good way. But the only way this thing works is if I punch the trigger. Then there's this button over here. Just seeing if Jimmy's awake. Good. You got to punch the trigger. If you're going to live loud, you got to punch the trigger. I want to talk about three triggers this morning. I've already mentioned them, and for those of you that cheat on your notes, you're going to write this down. The first trigger is faith. We have heard about your faith in Jesus. I never met you, never been there, but I've heard that you're a people of faith. Paul is proud of these new believers. He's proud in a good way, he's celebrating their faith. We live in a day and a time in a world where it's pretty easy to not even need faith. We got lots of technology. We, I mean, it's not until crisis hits, right, that, that we need faith. It, it's, it's pretty easy today to not need God. Matter of fact, we're becoming more and more and more that culture, more than any other time in history. It's pretty easy today to not even really need a faith. It's way too easy today to be self-sufficient, But faith is the beginning of our relationship with Jesus. That's what Ephesians said. Paul said that to the church in Ephesus. He says, for by grace, you are saved through faith. Faith is the beginning of our relationship through Jesus. If I want to have a live loud kind of faith, there's a couple of thoughts to help me grow my faith. And maybe some of you are here, you're like the Christians in Colossae. You're just getting started on this journey you still just have that fire and that zeal and that energy. You're like, man, I do want to grow my faith. Maybe you're like me. You've been saved since you are five years old. Maybe your, your faith's kind of gone on a summer vacation. And man, just some things this morning, maybe you know them, maybe you've heard them, just some practical triggers so that we can live loud with our faith. The first one would be read the word of God constantly, continually, daily. Not just something that you would hit a heart on Facebook or a scripture you might read on Instagram, but purposely take time to spend time in God's Word. Romans 10 17. So then faith comes, it grows by hearing, and it ain't by hearing me sing. I'm just telling you, that is not what grows your faith. It will grow your patience. You know what I'm saying? But faith comes by hearing the word of God, spending time in God's living, breathing Bible, his word that we are so blessed in this point, in this day, in this time in history. Everybody in the world has access, or I would hope that everybody, at least in America, has access to a Bible. And that's God's love letter. That's God's, sometimes his words of correction. And it's there to help grow and feed our faith. So my day is dominoes. It just just is. You know, you see people make those fancy things and, and with dominoes and put one here and one there and one there and then your toddler comes to help and, you know. But my day is dominoes. And so I've got two or three dominoes and if one of those dominoes doesn't fall or if one of those dominoes is missing, my day just kind of, and it just kind of dies right there. One of my dominoes, early in the morning, I, I love to, to get up, and I make myself a cup of coffee or grab something that's got caffeine in it to help me wake up. And I sit down and I read my grandfather's Bible. And that's a domino for me. That's actually probably my most important domino. I, I need to exercise, but man, this one, if I don't sit down and feed my faith with the word of God, we are bombarded so much on a daily basis with so much information every day. Why not start with God's information for our lives? And so, man, if you want to grow your faith, the first thing I would do is grow your reading time in the Bible. Hey, books are great. Devotional is awesome. But, man, just open. I'm in this thing right now where I'm just reading the Gospels. I'll grab a psalm every once in a while. But I'm just, I'm just in this cycle. I'm just reading what Jesus said. We've got to read the word. second thing is do the word. Don't just, just read. It's important to read. It's important to get it in you. But if that's as far as it goes, then all of a sudden your growth is going to be stunted. James says it this way. Don't just listen to God's word. Don't just hear God's word. Like they didn't have a Bible to read back then. The only way they could get it was when a preacher was teaching them. It says, listen, don't just listen to God's word. You need to do what it says. Otherwise you're fooling yourself. It's not enough just to consume it. You have to live it out. You have to do what it says. The Bible says, I need to forgive. So I need to do it and see the power of forgiveness come alive in my heart. The Bible says, I need to serve. I like love my neighbor. I need to do that and see the power of that come alive. Not only for what it does in the people that we're helping, but what it does in my heart. The Bible says we need to live open-handed, live generously, and watch God at work. Not only the kingdom difference you're making but what the difference it's doing in your life. Don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Then surround yourself with faith people. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways we can motivate. Let us think of ways we can encourage one another towards acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together because we're too busy or don't have time or it's too risky. Listen, listen as some people do, but let's find a way to encourage one another. You need to surround yourself with faith-filled people, people who bring out God's best in you, people who will celebrate God's best in you. I'm going to go here. People that would love you enough to say, hey, you got mustard on your face. You want to go on vacation and fail to yield on a green light, and now you're mad at the world, and you're crying, "Oh God, where are you?" <laughs> you need to have some faith-filled people around you, going, "Wake up, Junior. You're going to be all right. God is still on the throne, and the th- sun's coming up tomorrow." We need to have faith-filled people in our life. If you're still with me? Say amen. amen. You need to feed your faith. Lord spoke this. I can tell you where I was in my driveway. I was just walking and praying. And I can take you right to the spot of my driveway. The Lord said, everything you do either feeds your faith or feeds your flesh. Yep, right. Everything you do. You need to feed your faith. We need to work on getting some of those things that aren't good for us out of our life. Some of those sins. We, we, need, we just kind of need to work on getting some of those bad habits out of those lives. We need to put those things in us that, that build our faith, build our... like I have a... I have a bad habit of listening to country music. I do. I love me some country music, right? That if that's all I do, pretty soon I kind of start to think that no one has a pickup truck that runs. My dog's cheating on me. And mama's in prison. I mean, if you just listen to country music, that's where you start to let yourself go, all right? Young people, listen to me. All the parents are going, amen, that's really good. The voice you allow to speak into your life. Can I go here for just a second? The voices you allow to speak in your life. Listen, it is easy to have a day filled, spent hours upon hours watching YouTubers or TikTok and never actually even open your Bible and read it. You have to feed your faith. Everything you do either feeds your faith or it feeds your flesh. And so let's take some small steps about cutting some of those things out of our life that are not spiritually good for us, amen? I would say pray big prayers. Pray big prayers. Watch God work. I believe the answer to those prayers may not always be what we want, but, but pray big prayers. Pray big prayers and then just watch God work. And, then, and then, then continually think back and see, I struggle here. I'm just, I'm telling you, summer vacation, Brent's struggling here. I forget to sometimes think back down through the years when God showed up and made himself faithful. And when I do that, when I think about all he's done, as many times as he's been faithful for me, that will also grow my faith. We need to pray big prayers and just watch God work. Live loud, grow your faith. Paul says, listen, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. That second trigger on the megaphone, the first one was was your faith. The second was love. I want to live loud with love in a town that used to be colossal, (laughs) in a town that used to be big, in a place that was demolished by an earthquake. No one was moving there. It became a hopeless place. The Christians there had a reputation for loving each other. And and so the word love, like the Greek has four words for love. We 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 have one. There's different kinds of love in the Greek. Like there's romantic love or there's brotherly love. But the word here is agape. Maybe you've heard that. It's this agape, and it's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not a, a. It's not an affection. It's a mindset. Agape love is a mindset of care, compassion, goodwill, and benevolence towards people. This love is so compelling. This agape that's used right here that Paul uses. When Jesus was talking and and he took the whole entire Old Testament. There's 613 rules or laws of the Old Testament. When Jesus takes all that and he sums it up really into one word, agape. Agape. That's how powerful this word is. It got translated, when they translated from what Jesus was saying into the Greek New Testament, they used the word agape. Jesus was saying this, listen, listen, you take all those laws, but if you will agape, if you will love God with all your heart, mind, body, strength, and love agape your neighbor as yourself, that takes care of everything. If I agape love my neighbor, I'm not gonna steal his stuff. I'm not gonna kill him, kill him. Elam, as we say, down south. Like, you know, if I love my neighbor, I'm not gonna cheat on his wife or or with his wife. And then if I, agape love, that's a powerful love. If I love God that much, he is gonna be number one first place priority in my life. I'm gladly gonna take a day where I rest and reset and worship him. That's how powerful this love that Paul's talking about. He says, man, you're living loud with agape love. And the new believers at Colossae had a genuine agape love so strong, so authentic, that people heard about it. Everybody say, I love love. you, Brent. Brent. Y'all didn't say that like you meant it. (laughs) What if? What if we really walked in that kind of love, regardless of political differences? <laughs> what if, regardless of socioeconomic differences, or what if, regardless of color of skin, what, what if, if we let that agape power kind of love come alive in us? You talk about living loud. Today more than ever, the church needs to live loud with agape love. For we have heard of your faith in Jesus. We've heard of your love for God's people. And that comes from your confident hope for what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation. Man, since you first heard the good news, since you first heard the gospel, since you first got saved, And you kind of put this earth in the background and you started saying, man, I I know life is good here. I know i got a wife and some kids and and I know i got some people around me that love me. I know things can be good here. They can be hard too. But man, I tell you what's gonna be really good is when I get to see Jesus. See, I think we've lost that. I think this life, I'm preaching now for just a minute. I think this life is so good and so comfortable that like, ah, heaven, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ready, you know, I guess, but boy, I sure don't wanna miss my grandkids. But man, they had this expectation. And that's why I'm like, Jesus, I'm just ready. Just come get me. I wanna see my daddy. I wanna see my grandparents. What if we just let earth fade into the background and we focused on the eternity we're gonna to spend with Jesus? That's why they were a confident people. Kill me? I don't care. I know where I'm going anyway. They, pre- they do this for you last week? man. You got them ready for, brother, I owe you. I'll buy you lunch this week, right? I love the way this third trigger is hope is live loud with hope and the church, the church ought to be living loud with hope instead of melancholy and, and listen and it's okay to have bad days, depression is a real thing but I'm just telling you we have something the rest of the world doesn't have, we have a confident hope in our Savior Jesus Christ and I love the way the new living translates this Maybe because when I was talking through this, some folks are like, I don't have the word confident in there. I love the way the idea that the new living is trying to convey here. They say with a confident hope. So which which begs the question, what's the difference between faith and hope? I'm glad you asked that question. Hope, and I'm gonna do my best to explain it. It's still a little fuzzy. <laughs> hope is optimism. It's an expectancy, okay? Faith is a complete trust that it's gonna happen. Hope is this expecting that it'll happen, but faith is I have complete trust that it's gonna happen, right? Faith says, faith says, I know God can. Hope says, I believe he will. Hope says, I believe God, believe he will. But faith is, I know that God can. Here's the difference. You ready? Hope never brought about a miracle. Faith did. Hope is expecting. Faith is fully trusting and knowing. And I find it interesting that Paul speaks to the confident hope to the church and God's talks about You guys are living loud with your hope. In a city that was on the decline, a city that had been devastated by an earthquake, yet all the bad things in their life, they were still a people of hope. That's their reputation. Faith, love, and confident hope. Not hope in rebuilding, not hope in an economic upturn, not hope that things are going to be fixed. It was a confident hope of what God has reserved for them in heaven. Even in this life, even if this life stays hopeless, hard, difficult, and painful, I know there is a day and I know there is a time, there is a heaven that's coming that all of this is just gonna fade into the background. So why don't we let it fade right now? Even if this life doesn't get any better, we can know, I can know through faith, that God is in control and we can be a people of a confident hope because we have something the world doesn't have. And we have this loving, breathing, life-giving relationship with our Creator. I want you to live loud. I want Hill Spring Church I want us to be a place where people have heard of our faith. Man, it's been a tough season. Man, it's a tough time, but, but I know God's in control. Uh, of our love, that's why we packed up however many vans full of kids and sent them to Arlington to show the next generation about love, but also to take love and lead some people to Jesus while we're there in the heartbeat. That's why we do Serve Day. That's why we're here involved in the schools. why we exist as a church. We want to make a difference here in the community. God's called us in the places that he's called us to. And I want us to be known for being a hopeful, joy-filled, happy church. Amen, everybody. My question, is, do you have that relationship with Jesus? Do you have that relationship with him? We have something as believers that the world doesn't have. And so we need to let that fuel us. But if you're here today and you don't have that, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, God never intended to be in a relationship, never intended for salvation to be complicated. It's It's pretty simple. The Bible is pretty clear that all of us have fallen short. We've all made mistakes. We've all kicked the dog. You know what I'm saying? We've all said things had not to say. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the bad news is the wage of that sin is death. Both in this life, we're all gonna die, but also in the next life. There's more, not fake news. There's more, there's a heaven and there's a hell Coming depending on what you did with Jesus. So the bad news is that the wages of my mistakes and my sin is death. But the good news is that those who would confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart, God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. What? Saved from that sin, saved from that eternity in hell. He never intended it for it to be complicated. Now, Once you step into a relationship, he's going to pull on you and he's going to grow your faith like what we talked about this morning. But my question is, are you ready today? Is Jesus knocking on your heart's door today? And if that's you, I just want to help you believe and confess. I'm going to say a prayer. Not anything magical about the prayer. I just, it's the best way. I know how in this moment right here where the Holy Spirit is pulling on you to help you confess, believe. I want to ask everybody to be real still all across this room, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you know you're not in right relationship with Jesus, just right there at your seat, I want to just invite you to pray this prayer with me. You. you ready? Just say these words. Say, dear Heavenly Father, come to you today because I need you. I've made a lot of mistakes. I don't want that life anymore. Jesus, would you come into my life, begin to change me? Would you forgive me? Would you save me? I don't want that life anymore. I may not understand all of this, but today, I'm taking a step of faith, and I completely surrender my whole life to you, never head still bowed, for eyes still closed, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna ask you to walk the aisle, I'm not gonna ask you to stand up, I just wanna pray for you, because I wonder if somebody either watching online or somebody in a room this size full of people, but there's somebody that today, for the first time you prayed that prayer, or maybe you prayed it years ago, but the Holy Spirit was just kind of pulling you to come home. I wanna pray for you. Don't don't miss this moment. If that's you, just lift up your hand real high. I'm not gonna embarrass you. Slip it up real high. Anybody here today? Slip it up so I can see. God, we pray, Lord, for hundreds of people be ministered to the ministries of Hillspring Church. God, we, we would pray for hundreds of people in our community to be saved. Lord, when it really boils down to all the social, economic, political issues of our life, the true answer really is the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we wanna take that as strong and live as loud as we can. Lord, I pray your blessing upon our homes, upon our families. God, give us boldness to step into those Saving moments with people. Build those relationships with people that you're calling into the kingdom. It's in the beautiful, matchless name of Jesus we pray. And everybody says, amen. You glad you came to church today? Come on. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, Visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.